You're listening to Biz Souls, the business podcast with an edge, hosted by me, Rona Lewis, and Jeffrey Hansler. Tune in for perspectives and discoveries about the changing world of business. It's time to connect to the heart, soul, and humor of how business gets done. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, you thank you, thank you. Oh, and you're welcome. One more thing, I just need to introduce the podcast first. <laughs> welcome to Biz Souls, everybody, where we get to the heart and soul of business and the people who make it happen. I'm Rona Lewis. I'm Jeffrey Hansler. And we have a special, special guest today, Jeffrey. Yes, uh, reach back into the past. And uh, we have absolutely, it's a pleasure to have my good friend and uh, oh, fellow Californian now, Robin Berger Rubenstein, a rabbi extraordinaire. There you go. She's your rabbi, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> that yes. would be me but yeah yeah whenever i need spiritual help in that area go. i'm going to or, or translation when i come off with a bunch of yiddish words that he doesn't know how to say <laughs> what the heck did she say yeah, i don't she understand say? <laughs> she's yelling at me right now what is she saying <laughs> things like that robin welcome thank you right. and thanks for being on and thanks for doing this as uh i really appreciate it we met uh when uh, the family moved back to uh uh sharon from california and i was the california California kid. Well, you came into a a community that had really not seen an awful lot of blonde Adonises. And, uh, you know, they're a bunch of brunette. Five foot nine. Five foot nine. <laughs> but I'm tall. But I'm also tall. Are you? Oh, oh yeah. Rob, Robin, when I arrived, I was five one, I think. You were shorter than me. You yeah. were, I was taller yes. than you. Yes. yes. Oh my, oh, I, can't, I can't picture that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I didn't. Oh, grow, yeah. I didn't have my growth spurt until uh, junior year. I went from like five, four to six foot oh my God. in the fall. And uh, my pants, I'd go to school. My pants would be too short when I got home. It's great. <laughs> so it was a huge indoctrination for me because, you know, I was I grew up in um Orange County, predominantly, well, among other things, was just predominantly basic middle class. Even though we had people moving in from different areas, there wasn't a, a just a, a conglomerate of one ethnic group, uh, at least in the area that we were in. And uh, so I get back there and Sharon was what, like 90% Jewish at the time? And the school- It was up there, yeah. Yeah, 75, I mean, the school was there. And oh my God, it was heaven because we had uh, all these holidays that I didn't even know existed. <laughs> and not only did you have hip, but you came at the right time because everyone was just finishing or going into their bar bat mitzvah. Oh. So you get to go to all of these all the bar bat mitzvahs or to go to their friends and you're like, all right, I tolerate a service for two, but look at these buffets. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, My gosh, you know, it's, you want to talk about indoctrination? Yeah, you go to church, you get away for you go to a Jewish ceremony, you get everything, yeah. you get piled high. Yeah, absolutely. So, so and and Robin and my first meeting was was interesting because Robin and she asked this in the most lovely, curious voice. And and so the background on this is my dad's Swiss, Swiss German. And I had taken uh, three years of German in sixth, seventh and eighth grade. 
And so I was interested to take a German and they didn't offer German. They all only offered French or Spanish. And so I was and uh, Latin. complaining and Latin. And Latin. Latin. You, you took Latin. And Latin. And I was complaining a little bit about that. So Robin comes up and goes, excuse me, are you, uh, what, are you anti-Semitic or what? <laughs> and it was, she said it with a smile. It wasn't like accusatory or anything. And it was like, uh, what, what's that? <laughs> I mean, we well, have be- to remember. Okay, so you have to remember Jeffrey came to Massachusetts in the early 1970s. Yeah. All right, it wasn't that long um, after everybody had come and and found their spots after World War II. We were all still a little gun shy of someone with a German background. Right. Look at I'm Lithuanian Ukrainian. Polish. I'm like the United Nations. I'm a garbage dump of nationalities. But back then it was very difficult. And you know what? I, 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 and Jeffrey will let you know that one of my strong suits is I'm a straight shooter. It's not like I don't have a filter. It's like, I need to know where you are. I, this is where I am. I want to meet you here. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I I won't stand on eggshells. And so that was the beginning because. Oh, we became fast friends. Instantly. Oh, yeah. I just needed to know. Just tell me yes or no. Yeah, exactly. Well, and you know what? And um, politically, uh, the Middle East was on fire at that time. There were um, uh, Israel was still fighting for a foothold. What was the? uh, I don't remember. The Six Day War, the Yom Kippur War. Yeah, all of that was going on. We're all just, yeah. Yeah, you're 100% right. Sure. That's exactly what was going on. People who were actually following these things, and you have to remember, back then there was no such thing as the internet and computers and immediate right. information. And you lived from tidbit for tidbit. And in 1971, my cousin was supposed to be bar mitzvah in Israel. And needless to say, the bar mitzvah was canceled right. because we couldn't go. Yeah. And actually that happened twice more for my children. Hmm. Brian's bar mitzvah was supposed to be in 1997. It got canceled. And in 2000, my daughter was supposed to be bat mitzvah in Israel. And it was the shooting of the original Patriot missiles. That was the end of hers. The the history keeps repeating itself. So, but anyways, my question to him was, I need to know where you stand so I can stand there with you. Yeah. Yeah. And then she came over and met my dad and my dad and mom loved her. And I went over and met her mom and her mom loved me, except she said, pulls Robin aside and goes, he's not Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) So I just said, can we be bestest friends? She goes, as long as it's always, as long as you stay always. And And you know, it's 50 years of counting. And, and, and even though it has nothing to do with me, you know, eventually Robin moved down to California. So anyway, Robin, this is about you. Let, let's start in the beginning. So you were very involved in Hebrew school. Yes, I was. My correct? first fighting with my first job was at Temple Israel, which was right up the street from our high school on Pond Street. They asked me to lead junior congregation at the age of 14. Wow. Uh, because the person who was doing it couldn't do it anymore. And my father went to synagogue every Saturday. There are, as you know, there are, or for those that don't know, there are different levels of observance for Judaism. The synagogue we belonged to, Temple Israel, was more on the conservative Orthodox realm. It wasn't Orthodox and it wasn't reform. Mm -hmm. Reform was totally different back then. 
but it was more conservative in that there wasn't a division between men and women, but all the rules and regulations were observed. Okay. That's so they allowed me to do, you know, it's, it's really funny. A lot of people from the East coast in our generation that were growing up in the seventies were from conservative, still sitting on the orthodox hill a little bit in the the house sort of thing. Yeah. Kosher in the house and cheeseburgers at McDonald's. Right. Uh, Not me, but others. Yes. The, the thing was, so I started there. Then my name came up. And the next thing I knew at the age of 16, I was asked to be a teacher at an Orthodox synagogue. And the principal there didn't know what he was doing. Absolutely had no clue what he was doing. And the kids were running around. And I said, do you have, and this is at 16. I said, do you have anything called classroom management? Do you, what do you do for these unruly individuals that are in these classrooms is I need to know what it is. And he says, well, that's your responsibility. I'm sitting there going, I'm 16 years old. What do you call parents? Oh, no, we can't because we need to make sure the parents are happy. I decided to teach them all a lesson. I kept them after school, after school, Hebrew school. They all missed the bus. And I said, you can go home when you can sit nicely. I would never yell at them. I never reprimanded. And I said, now you can call your parents and explain to them why you missed the bus. I got fired that Sunday. (laughs) I got fired. And it's really funny because I immediately got hired back by Temple Israel because they like my, a couple of parents told other parents, oh my God, this Hebrew teacher She kept everybody after school. But what happened? Well, they all sat nicely. Did she yell at them? No. Did she call them names? No. All she did is she'll sit there until you can sit nicely and we can have a lesson. And that's what happened. And that started 50 years of teaching to the point where I got my PhD. I was discussing the importance of class management that you don't don't actually manage or order people. You give them respect and you give them the option. And that's what I've done for 50 years. And my career has followed that path. I was originally a biochemist. I worked, I don't know if you ever heard of Rabbi um, Harold Kushner, who wrote Why Bad Things Happen to Good People. Yes. Phenomenal book. Phenomenal book. Okay. His son was my patient at Children's Hospital. I was doing an internship at Harvard Medical School and Aaron was my patient. Aaron died three years after his bar mitzvah from progeria. That was my research project. So I started there and that was a very spiritual journey for me. The beginning, yes, I've been teaching all these years and I taught through Simmons College and I was teaching through BU and and on and on. But it started this spiritual thing because after Aaron died, I started reading Rabbi Kushner's stuff. And how do you how do you survive this kind of tragedy? It has to be a spiritual. So that that's the first slope that went towards the need to be spiritual. And so then I went on and got my master's in education. Um, I got a teaching credential for California because I was a scientist and I was I actually had to get a job. I taught in Hebrew schools because I have a passion for teaching. I just can't give it up. And not just teaching secular, but teaching Jewish studies as well as comparative religions. That I actually have to thank you, Jeffrey, for, because I was so fascinated with the other religions and how 
they were intertwined and how one religion sort of dismantles and unravels another by context and throwing things out of context. I fell in love with Buddhism and I thought Buddhism was absolutely the best religion except Judaism until I went to Lhasa City in Tibet and found out what it was really like. Still like the Dalai Lama. But all of these things that I've done have been career paths. There was a book written many years ago called What Color Is Your Parachute? Uh, I used that that in in college. college. Okay. All right. Um, It is probably a biblical text for anyone who has no idea how to put all these jigsaw puzzle pieces together. And I absolutely could not put my jigsaw puzzle together. I knew I was a teacher. It's not I wanted to be a teacher. I knew I was a teacher. I knew I had a lot of spirituality in me. I had a whole lot of education. I have an alphabet of letters after my name, okay? Which is fine. But it wasn't until I went to China in 2019. And yes, I was in Wuhan. I was in Wuhan at the lab and we all came back sick. Everybody, I think we all had COVID. We could have brought it with us. I don't know. It's your fault. My fault. And I still haven't had COVID. And I was tested for antibodies and I don't have them. Anyways, I went, I was in Lhasa City in the Buddhist temple. And I said, that's it. That's it. I cannot do this with walls. I can't do this with people giving me orders, what they did to the Dalai Lama. I saw what was going on with China before everything hit the fan between the different countries. And I said, I am going to finish my ordination. I actually had started because I went to the Jewish Theological Seminary in, in the early 1980s. But my eldest son developed an eye defect and I had to um, attend to that. And I was pretty close to the end, but they didn't have streaming back then. So I decided I was going to become a rabbi but I wasn't going to be a pulpit rabbi. I was not going to have a board give me instructions and tell me how to teach children because you can't put children in a box, no matter how hard you try. Everybody has to teach. And my dissertation when I got my PhD was putting tools in your toolbox so kids can read and comprehend. That was the name of my book that I wrote. And I have used my tools in my toolbox to help a bunch of kids, a lot of kids, and probably in the thousands at this point. And yes, it is a business. And how is it a business? Well, well, hang on, hang on, okay. hang on Robin. A couple of things, because you've been mentioning some things that are very important. We are going to talk about the business side of it. So one of the things is you said that you said it was uh, my influence from being a you know, us, you and I talking about different religion. Well, you also started it too, because you invited, you invited let's see, me, Jordy, uh, Glenn, Glenn. Uh, 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 Bruce, well, Bruce, no, Bruce wasn't part of that one because he was already there. Um, bunch of guys to synagogue. And you were so nervous that we were going to act up in synagogue. And, and so, so you exposed us to that. And then you, you came to midnight mass when, so who's, um, was it Kenny? Oh, Kenny. Uh, Kenny was Catholic. Kenny Berman? No, no. Kenny. <laughs> I don't think so. Kenny. He wasn't. I was Catholic. like, Kenny Berman Kenny. went to my synagogue. Kenny Horan. Oh, Kenny. 
I love the hordes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I yeah, love well, the I, hordes. I mean, we loved them too because his dad was the chief of police. It was great. Yeah, it was <laughs> great. Does, but they were does. also it was an excuse to go to Crescent Ridge Dairy on the way to their house. Exactly. That was the ice cream store. That's the best. Fun. I still go there. Yep. Um, still there. Yeah. Still doing really well. And now it's almost it's the stopping spot. And Sharon, anyway, I'm guilty. Then, I still go. And so it's these interactions that are that are very important. I remember I your parents, you had a place on the Cape. And so I went down there and Ram goes, I'll oh, help yourself to anything. So I get in the cabinet. I reach in and I pull out a plate and I'm using plates because, oh, my oh, God, my. those are the kosher plates. No, no, the meat and dairy, right? Look, oh, she washed them and cleaned <laughs> Away. Well, lucky we didn't bury him out in the backyard. Yeah, I went through that too. Don't, like, don't tell my um my mother, my grandmother. Oh my god. Anyway, so that was it. So it's those interactions that were important. So these are the things that kind of shape added to your experience. I mean, were you were you committed at the time because you were working with kids? And now what I'm hearing, what you're talking about, your focus is primarily kids. You're really focused on the younger generation. I mean, was that formulating back then? And did that lead to that? And how did they connect? Because how do people decide? How did Bill Gates decide? You know, outliers, Malcolm Gladwell. How do people decide their career? And there is a question, you know, the question in there is, is what's the link between them? How strong uh, were your memories from that? That guided you to becoming a rabbi? Well, it's what I was saying about what color is your parachute. It took all of the experiences that I had, and I don't regret any of the degrees that I had to get in order to get where I am now. Okay, I was 50 years old when I was getting my PhD. But at that particular time, what led to the PhD thing was- and PhD is in, just for everybody. It's in um, educational neuroscience, brain-based learning. I am a curriculum developer for that whole concept, okay? Basically, I play with people's brains. For example, what I did was I say, okay, the brain has a bunch of lobes and they all fire off differently. And sometimes more than one part of a brain is firing off at the same time. So you've got a kid that's moving around too much or they're tapping on the desk and they're driving everybody crazy. They can't focus because the other side of their brain is overactive for the part that actually has to concentrate. So for the kid that was tapping on the desk, I went and bought these great big pipe cleaners, the soft, soft pipe cleaners, like drumsticks. I put him in the back of the room, okay, so that nobody could see him. I spoke to the parents and the, 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 psych, the school psychologists and all that. We won't even touch that subject. And we will, um, and I said, look, I want him to get a 504 plan or IEP that somebody can take notes so that all I want to see is how much can he listen if I can shut down the other part of that brain. So I gave him the pipe cleaners and I said, tap away. Where this child spent most of his time in the office for disciplinary action. After one class, she gave a quiz the next day with pipe cleaners in his hands, only auditory listening. He got a 75 on a test. Nice. Was he uh, okay. on the on the spectrum? Is that is that what it was? It's not a spectrum thing. It's just they they couldn't identify. They just said it was, was a bad it like kid. ADD or you know. I don't do the medical end of it. I don't touch it. I don't do any of that. I am one hundred percent holistic. I'm playing with. Tell me what's going wrong. I had a kid who needed to listen to music in order to do homework hmm. because it needed to occupy that portion of the brain. 
Some people need to watch television so they can listen to you speak. So what happened? My Scott, my son is the problem, the problem child. So I had to find out what's wrong with him. So I had to go back to school. uh, Older one, younger one? Number three, the little one, the one that- Scotty. I don't mean to get political and you can cut this out of your if you want. When I was four and a half months pregnant, right at the point where abortions were still, you know, legal. um, And I'm not talking politically, I'm talking about in California, right. you're allowed to, I think, till like 16 weeks or 20 weeks. I forget what the thing was back in 1992. They were doing one of those ultrasounds and they found out he had a kidney disorder. And it was a very serious kidney disorder and they weren't sure he was going to survive. And so this doctor told me to abort. I said, you're not God. Does he have two kidneys? Yes. I said, then he'll live with one kidney. But you may not, you should, no, you don't understand. He'll be on dialysis the rest of his life. P.S. Fast forward, 2022. Scott is 6'4", weighs 280 pounds, is a veterinarian in North Carolina. But because he was, he had to have major surgery. And because he had major surgery, it caused his, he was under anesthesia for so long, it caused processing problems. But it wasn't until I went back to school and learned all about what could go wrong with the brain that I found out what could go wrong with the brain. Hmm. So I went back to school so I could help Scotty he was not the problem child. He was more brilliant than I ever, than his IQ is over the chart. It just, he had a processing problem because of anesthetics. I became exceptionally spiritual because God and I had a lot of conversations about, please don't take my child. That was another little slope up. You had every, said- every decade had a, had one. Well, you know, in this, in 1982, you remember when my dad died, yeah. that was really hard. And I was like, he's 51 years old. What are you taking him for? Each one of those things, I had to basically find God in my own terms. You had said uh, when you were in China and Wuhan, and it's funny that the similarity, February 2019, you're in Wuhan. No, um, actually in October of 2019. 2019. The oh, October, right? To October to November. Yeah, the worst time impossible. February 2020, I'm teaching at UCLA and I've got 30 students all from Wuhan province. And I'm dr- leaving UCLA to drive back. And I hear on the radio that they're stopping flights from Wuhan. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, UCLA is going to probably give me a call for what's going on. About two weeks later, hey, are you having any problems? Anyway, similar as uh, crossing paths in multiple ways. You had said that when you were in China, you, you did you decided no walls. Did you mean the, the the walls like political barriers between the countries, or were you talking or about walls, walls of the the church? Literal walls. When literal I walls. went to the Portola Palace, so Portola, that was the Dalai Lama's home before he was exiled, and I saw what was going on in there. And what was going on? Okay, there were these young boys in monk cloaks, shaven heads in. Michael Jordan sneakers with the latest iPhones counting money in stacks. And I'm looking at these people. Okay, so that's over in their barrack area or the cot area, but in the religious area where all the statues are and all the shrines, there are these people. They look like they have nothing and they're throwing their little dollars, what they have in front of those shrines. And mind you, there is incense 
incense burning. And the other thing I don't know if you know is that they burn butter. They burn butter. I don't know if you've ever smelled burning butter. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit difficult. <sighs> so you've got incense burning. You've got butter burning. You've got these incredible people that believe that these shrines have such holy power that they will give their last dollar, whatever they have. And they're teaching their children. You put it in there because I, we want to carry on our traditions to you that you are always giving. A big Jewish thing, tzedakah, mm -hmm. charity, huge thing. It's great. And outside the, the, the walls, you see these people praying and praying and they're going on. And I could only see the monks, the young, they were probably 17, 18 right. years old with money up to here with the Michael Jordan sneakers and the iPhones texting. There was something in that paradigm that made me sick besides the incense and the butter. And I said, there is something wrong with this physical structure. So Robin, what you're talking about is the business side of religion and all of them have it. I mean, Christianity, we've got the evangelist on TV. Hi, you know, if you're sitting on a bag, eating Cheetos, <laughs> make it on a beanbag eating Cheetos, send us a thousand dollars. Yeah, you're not talking to me. Uh, and then we've got the, same, the uh, Catholicism, same thing. I mean, the church is wealthy and yet we've got all these things going on and they're always collecting and they're collecting from the poor so many times. So, so that that exists in, in all religion, including Judaism. I mean, the synagogue does collect half of our family's uh, Mormon. You know, my mom's brother married uh, married a Mormon, a Mormon and became Mormon. So that's side of the family. But you're tithing. They're you're tithing. tithing. Yeah. They just built a yeah. They the LDS have the most gorgeous temples. And you know what? Mormon unto itself is um, they have a very strong following and they just build that tithing into right. their their sort of thing. What you're saying when you said walls, then how I'm, I'm trying to get it in a context, you meant you just don't want to be part of a structure like a, or like a, a classroom. You don't want to be part or, yeah. of that business of building bricks and collecting money and, and supporting the art and the stuff. Is that what you were saying? Well, to transfer what happened in, in uh, Tibet to what I was talking about was bust down those walls. See all that money you have there. See all those people out there. They need it. Do something with it. Don't buy your Michael Jordan sneakers. Right. You can buy kids. Right. Okay. Or PF flyers or something. PF I don't know. They make you run <laughs> you faster can, you and can, jump higher. But you have to understand a very, a crucial, a core of Judaism is we don't pass the plate. That's not something they do in Judaism. You give donations and nobody tells you how much, how many, when to do it. You do it if if it's a anniversary of someone's death or somebody does something wonderful, you send a donation to the synagogue or, and synagogues also charge a lot of money and a, people think it's exorbitant, but you've got to support a building. You got to support a right. rabbi. You've got to support a cantor. You got to support the custodian. You got to pay for the teachers. And they usually have what's called a building fund. Mm -hmm. And that can range depending upon whether you're in your Belinda or Beverly Hills, your Beverly Hills, you're going to be paying a lot of money for these absolutely gorgeous edifices. And then you have synagogues who are nothing more than in shopping strip malls right. that are trying to survive. And all I can think about is Larry David right now as you're talking <laughs> and all the trouble he got. 
into over was it the building funny they did a skit on it it was about money and position and what you do and who's recognized for what he didn't give this and they said oh anyway but well, no the thing is is that i have a problem with i have to phrase this carefully politically correct after 50 years right of watching rabbis come and go in this past year unfortunately well Two years ago, I watched an entire synagogue be taken down by the antics of a rabbi, and she destroyed an entire congregation. And um, she's now an independent clergy, which is basically what you call me, because I don't subscribe to, um, I'm not working in a specific synagogue. But then again, I don't subscribe to any specific division. I'm not reform. I'm not conservative. I'm not reconstructionist. I'm not orthodox. My ordination, which is why I did it this way, is called universal Judaism. And universal Judaism is not a Christianity. It's not a ministry. It's not that. It's a full ordination. But you take, it's sort of like taking the hit parade from all levels. The core you have to learn all about orthodoxy and conservative and reform and reconstruction. The only thing I can't touch is messianic because that's a cult. It's not a religion. And to me, that was more important. With all of the things that I have learned through my career, 50 years, what had I seen? I'd seen so much discontent. I'd see people leaving a synagogue because they don't believe in the politics. The board is not behaving properly. They don't like the Hebrew teachers. Whatever, they can't do it because of soccer and baseball and band and Boy Scouts and all that. So what do you do when you can't do it? You leave, right? I decided, you know what? My boss, besides my husband and my children, grandchildren, actually my grandchildren run my life right now because I'm so madly in love with them. And I, yes, I am a pushover. It's the divine. That's my boss. That's who I report to. I, me and me and Hebrew national, we report to higher authorities. There you go. And, and, and it's no joke, but I mean, I'm really serious. I have to answer for what I'm doing to, for the purpose of why I'm doing it. So what am I doing? If you look at coast to coast life cycle events, mm -hmm. that it's not a full launch yet. We haven't done a full launch. I don't have a business. Like I haven't, I haven't gotten to that point. Mm -hmm. because I needed to send out a cast out a huge net to see if something like this is going to go. You know, you just can't start spending money and then go, well, I gave it a shot. I need to get all my ducks in a row. I need to see if there was a need. What is the need to go out there and say, I'm here. If you have Judaism in your blood, look at, think of Kamehameha High School in Hawaii. You only have to be one one hundredth Hawaiian to go to Kamehameha High School, right? So I'm saying, you know what? Instead of losing people to a religion, try and bring them back in without walls, without boards, without laws, without restrictions. How are you? So I know Michael's very successful surgeon. Not your, your lifestyle is dependent on the income you're getting. Could you make a living doing what you're doing, being an independent? You're kind of cutting new, it sounds like you're cutting into new ground. And it also sounds like a, um, a lot of institutions, people are leaving the institutions. <laughs> including Congress, hopefully, uh, that, that are failing us. But that's the point, Jeffrey. Can, can you the make institutions are failing the people. Correct. So, can you make a living yet? Yeah. Oh, you certainly can. You and certainly how, can. How are you? Are you compensated like a teacher or do they pay you for lessons or are they 
How do you, how do you make some money at it? My structure is I am, I'm a very lousy businesswoman and I found that out the hard way. And so I have to find people who are going to take care of the business end of it. I forget to get paid or initially I did. Um, That's why we have Venmo because I'm usually running from student to student. And if they didn't give me the check and basically what I do is I, unfortunately I had to do way too many funerals during the COVID era, but here's a problem. A lot of those funerals were for my friends. What do you do? You don't charge your friends. You don't charge your friends. So somebody says to me, Robin, that's lost income. I said, God will provide. Yeah. I said, God will provide. I said, and that's a form of a tithe as well. It's well, that's exactly what it is because what it is, it's actually free advertising. And I don't mean to be gross about it. That one person said, you know, Robin, Robin made us all breathe at Vic's funeral under, he was very young. It was extraordinary circumstances. And we were all able to take a deep breath and it wasn't an emotional disaster. And I remembered to keep it to the point where everybody could breathe during a service. So what happened? They tell the next person who told the next person who told the next person. And that is how you start a business. Everything, you can't see dollar signs for everything. You need to go all the way down and be a manager at McDonald's to just get money so you can follow your passion. You need to find something. Now, Michael is not funding me, if you will, which is important because he's going to be retiring soon and I'm still I'm still gearing up here. So it's going to be my responsibility one, once again. We sort of joke about it. When Michael was in medical school, I had three jobs so that I could support us until he could support us. And it's been this circle our entire marriage. We will be married 42 years this year. I know it sounds like Mazel tov. That's a lot. Thank you. But you make it. But if everything you do, if you start out saying, how much am I going to make? How much? Yes, you have to do projections. But you have to say to yourself, if I'm not within a building and I am not answering to somebody else, I make my own rules. So I'm doing funerals and now I have additionals because of the people speaking kindly of me. My bread and butter, if you will, is I've been a Hebrew teacher for 50 years. And my name is known coast to coast. I will have students on the East coast whose I was their parents teacher. And they said, (laughs) Robin, can you help? And I'm like, sure. Okay. No problem. I mean, I used to do it by Skype before there was such a thing as FaceTime and Zoom and all that sort of stuff. So did do you help uh, get ready for bar and bat mitzvahs and things like that? Yes, that I have this, this since January, I've had 14 students a week that I have been um, running. And then, I remember. and then, and so at, Two of them had their bar mitzvah last month. I have another one in two weeks. And I was just told by one of my other parents that um, we told somebody else who belongs, who goes, works at UCI about you and that you're the 11 month wonder. I can take them from nothing to a bar mitzvah in 11 months. Do you like, I know it's a one-time event. I mean, once they're they're they've gone through the ceremony, they're done. Do you have a debrief with them afterwards? Okay, this is what you did well. This is what you didn't do so well. Oh my God, when you missed that. No, I don't. I don't. I go through. No, it. All you no, do no, no. Make- 
Because if they fail, I failed. Right. There is no such thing as a critical evaluation. They all wait. I tell them the only thing you're going to wait for is this. And that means you nailed it. And regardless of whether or not they nailed it, they nailed it. Right. It's either pass, don't pass. There's no, well, no, there's no such thing as, uh, no, because I won't let them do what they need to do if they can't do it. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. there's certain things and, and Rona will understand this is you can't make mistakes on a Torah, right? You, you, you can, you can, people can flub little things. They can say a vowel wrong, but you're not allowed because there's somebody and that somebody is me will be sitting there right next to the person who's doing their Torah portion and under my breath, if they miss, you know, I'll be going, and so they'll go, Vayomer Moshe. you know, they'll, they'll go on, but all of a sudden they're, they're like in a panic state because they're not allowed and they're not allowed to memorize anything because your brain goes stupid fight or flight sort of thing. And they go, oh my God, I don't remember anything. Well, if you know how to read, you don't have to worry about it. No, it's on me. And that's my business, but that is my business. If you want to know why my business is successful, and why I'm keep getting referrals, it's because I do not, uh, failure is not an option. And no, Gene Krantz never said that. That was just from Apollo 13. He never said that. Real quick, is there, is, what's the trend? Uh, or is it consistent? Because, and I'm drawing from my own experience, dad came to this country when he was 22. Uh, I've only got, his sister is the only re- living relative that I was connected to. She she has a daughter and a son. And so, and then they've gotten married or the daughter's gotten married and they have kids. I'm not connected to him at all. My oldest has moved to Australia. What's happening is our culture is going away. There's not a tie with it. Uh, our, our people is the culture of Judaism and bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah. Is it staying strong? Is it staying steady? Is there a resurgent? I mean, is it a good business? It's an extraordinary business. It's an extraordinary business because you have to understand this business has been going on for 3,500 years now. And everything has its peaks and valleys and all that sort of stuff. But there are certain things. Now, granted, when a baby boy is eight days old... Regardless of what Russell Crowe has to say, most of them have a bris. If they don't have a bris and they allow the child not to have a circumcision, they will still have what's called a simchat ben. They'll still have the ceremony of naming. It is, you will very rarely see in the Jewish faith, someone who does not name their child. Bar and bat mitzvah, pretty much it's if grandma and grandpa are pushing that envelope. Grandma and grandpa are usually the ones in our time right now who are the ones that are saying isn't it time for yankel to have a bar mitzvah and there's the parents are like bar mitzvah he's never been to hebrew school (laughs) ergo they call me right Um, that's that's my business that is my business i you have to find a niche Mm -hmm. where you are going to help people fulfill something that is in their dna that they're going to feel complete and when you do that you're doing something for the right reasons and then your business will perpetuate itself because you've now made somebody else feel good right because i'm so non-political they know she's not going to talk about anything here except the Torah portion and prayers. That's it. That's Robin. She's the that's a, that's, a, <laughs> that's a really important concept. Oh, it absolutely is. It's yeah. You gotta and, stay, you gotta stay a, out of that arena. Yeah. As a spiritual leader, I think it's important to stay neutral because you don't know who your who your clients are. And you know, you could ruin everything. I have 
a friend of mine who is, well, a, a former friend uh, who was a bit of a conspiracy theorist, and she has a really big business. And that's all I'll, I'll say. And she's lost half her clients because she pushes her uh, agenda on, on, on everybody. And it's very off-putting. So that's your, you're very smart to not do that and just stay on, on point of religious training. Well, the thing is, is that the rabbi I was talking to you about before, that's exactly what she did. She put a line down the middle and it's like, God is not political. God's very, very, very clear. You believe in God, you believe in me, meaning mm-hmm. I don't like God. And, and it's one, it's non, non-idolatrous. Mm-hmm. There you go. The rest is commentary or do it as Hillel, you know, do unto others as others will do unto you. The rest is commentary. That's Judaism. That's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. The political side of it doesn't exist. And for any rabbi, spiritual leader, I don't care what faith you are, to get out of that median, shame on you. And that I, I believe that in, in, in all businesses, entertainment, sports, get out of that arena. It's not yours. Right. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. And you know what? When people call me, the one thing they joke about, the first thing they say is, we know we're not going to be able to be political with you. I said, okay, that's how we're starting this conversation. <laughs> Did you know why you were hiring me? You know, <laughs> I just... Yeah. I said, look, at yes, I do know analytical chemistry. I do know calculus. I do know those other things, but that's not why we're here today. Okay. Is that what you were talking about? I know yeah. talking about that. Uh, you got through COVID through uh, DigiZoom? Was, oh, my any- God. Yeah. Eight or nine hours a day. It and was, is it- it, my eyes, I've gone through more pairs of glasses. And have you built Zoom in your business model going forward? You have to. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is it is one of the major tools in my toolbox that I, I was, was talking say, about if before. If you're if you're coast to coast, you have to do Zoom. And so, you know, not only that, well, you can do uh, telephone, but and it's it's no, uh, but okay. So coast to coast. So, anyways, I did a bat mitzvah with my sister Gwen, who mm-hmm. did all the teaching. Being the rabbi, I was the rabbi for this. Um, there was two girls, so I flew across the country and did their b'nai mitzvah over there. Okay. But the conversations for me had to be Zoom. Anybody who's sick, it has to be Zoom. When the kids that I'm teaching now, if I have back-to-backs and I can't physically get from Santa Ana to Irvine, back up to your Belinda to Brea to Placentia, okay, everybody's on Zoom today. I got to sit my and you're at three and you're at four and you're at five and you're at six off on. And it's really funny when they, because I only have one Zoom thing. And they, but here's, this is a great point. This is a great point. Because remember, I do kids individually. They're no longer in a Hebrew school. They don't know other Jewish kids. So they're, what's really funny is when all of a sudden I'm teaching this kid and the other one comes on early. So now we're introducing these kids. All of a sudden I'll step away for like a minute or two. I go, all right, you guys just chat for a second. I got to get a drink of water. I didn't need to get a drink of water. I wanted them to chat. So next thing I know, they're on each other's whatever books and FaceTime, no, uh, Instagram. And I mean, they're talking all of this stuff. I don't even know how to define. And I went, okay, I'm glad you all had, but you know, your folks are paying me. You go away. You stay here. Let's get going. I, I mean, but it's that joking. Good. These kids have developed their own 
circle. And then this one tells the next one about this one that they just met and they're having play dates. That's awesome. So going for the future, are are you advertising at all? Do you have a specific Facebook account for, you know, actually a friend that I was a friend that I was ordained with is you might see him on my Facebook page, which I'm very bad about. And I, I told you I'm a lousy businesswoman. And yes, I will have to pick that end of it up at some point. I'm just a little too busy working to actually do the part of that problem to have it but it's a really important part and he yesterday he posted jeffrey are you on my facebook page yes i take a look and you can see he did an advertisement for for gwen and i for coast to coast on my facebook page (laughs) it's like he goes if you don't do it nobody is going to do it robin you've got to get. And so I went, okay, fine, fine, fine. I need to solidify the business end of it. Okay. You have to look, you have to really understand your, your business model in order and, and you'll be able to, to grow it should you want to, right? Do you do weddings and that sort of thing? Or is it? I do everything. I do everything. And the thing is, all I am is Robin, go Robin, do Robin, put it on your calendar, Robin, go Robin, do Robin, put it on your calendar. Okay. Virtual assistant to and, help. Yeah, yes, it, yeah. Yeah. You want to see my virtual assistant? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and yes, we are connected. And it was Brian Denker that uh, uh, put the ad up for you. Yeah, it's so Brian it's Denker. And you just don't, you don't do that much on it, which is why you're not popping up in my feed that much. We are connected on there. You've got to do more. You've got to, you've got to, you need a business plan. Do you have a business plan? You got to find somebody to write you a business plan. I Jeffrey, know. Jeffrey can help I you know with a business plan. I know it's just write coming in. <laughs> just, it's flowing right now. That's my, you know, as we're, we're kind of winding this down, where do you want to take it in the future? What do you, what do you see? Do you have any ideas for the future that you can share uh, not not trade secrets or anything like uh, there's no trade secrets because i share with everybody whatever i have and i created uh curricula or anything if somebody calls and says robin do you have a, a this or you have a that boom it's sent i do you know about general. teachers for teachers i know teachers paying teachers and i have a real problem with that because okay. i don't believe the teachers have to pay teachers to help each other I think there has oh, to be, it's oh, like you don't second. charge family. Wait a second. You don't ch- There's a different what? perspective. I'm going to give you a different perspective on that. Teachers for teachers, you're, if you have a great curriculum, then you, people are more than happy to pay for it. You're helping raise the quality of teachers. Like, for example, one of the kicks I'm on right now is I they should be teaching finance, accounting and finance uh. in K-12. And they should also, what, were you, what else were you saying they should Oh, law, basic law, law. basic law, because that's the problem. People don't understand the role of SCOTUS and and these decisions that are coming down that people are getting so political about. SCOTUS is actually trying to clean up some messes that were made that our politicians should have cleaned up and haven't. They've kicked the bucket down the road. People are blaming SCOTUS for the decisions are made. So and I no, I agree with you. I told you I'm a lousy businesswoman. I give out everything that I have. No, that's a really good point. And um, I know that it's really funny. I wrote a prayer book that I'm using for all of these independent bar and bat mitzvahs. But I said, you can't distribute it. You can't do anything because I didn't get copyright approval on everything. And so I have to take it back. And the thing is, is that until I am solid, until I have my business plan, until I know, until we have an inner circle, actually we're thinking between my sister, Rabbi Brian, who's in Brooklyn, 
So we'd have Massachusetts, New York, and California. That would be our coast to coast. Wait, Brian, your son is a rabbi as well? No, no, Brian Danker, the one oh, you saw Brian. on there. Oh, he's a no, rabbi Brian's, in well. a, yeah, Brian's yeah. a prosecuting attorney from Montgomery yeah, County, I Rockville. I, I thought maybe on the side he's a rabbi. You know, who knows? Definitely <laughs> not. Definitely, definitely not. No, he's definitely. <laughs> but no, Jeffrey, you are spot on correct. But I, I have, I have an issue that everything has to be payment. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just the Sadaka side of me. The charitable no. side of me. I don't know. It's like, if I do it, I'm happy to share it. Um, I probably say, look, you just got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, you know, maybe if I do something fantastic that I publish, if you will, then I'll charge for it. I'll write a book and I'll charge for it. But you asked a question, where does this go in the future? The future is happening right now because more and more people, the older generation is dying, the one that was observant, and they making requests going, is this going to die with me? And people are starting to take responsibility for who they are, the traditions that were brought up in their family. And regardless of intermarriage and regardless of where their family dynamic is, if this is where they want to go, there's going to be somebody who's going to say, regardless of race, gender, religious persuasion, whatever, is going to say, if you want it, I can do it. I'll do it. And I'll do it with love. And I'll do it with you. And I'll make it happen for you. And I think that's what everyone's business plan should be, is your mission for your business, regardless of your mission statement, is how am I going to make my client happy? What can I do to improve their lives? Lives right now are so difficult. Everybody is at everybody else's throat. If you can do something and present something in a way that you can just check off a box on them and they can say, thank goodness I can do this. I think your business is going to be a winner because you care. And if you show courage and you plug through and you're kind, I think that's the greatest business plan in the world. And that's why my phone is ringing nonstop, even though I don't have a business plan. That's okay. No, no, I have a business, not not a business plan. Not every business, I think, has to have a business plan. You know, there and and there's more than one (laughs) school of of thought on that. Obviously, he thinks everything needs a business plan. And you know, and I, I I do have one for for mine, very, very simple. It's like one or two pages. You don't need a 15 page business plan for everything. No, lean um, business plan, one yeah, pager. That's all you need. I wouldn't even know how to write one. It, you should Jeffrey have seen when I had to write a personal statement. To ask Jeffrey. Just, just wrote one for a friend two days ago. Yeah, he does it in no, no time. He's really good at that. Yeah. Anyways, I, that's my future. My future so, so, is to do what I'm doing. So, any kind of life cycle. And there you go. Um, you know, it's, it's just it's reputation. And, and that's the best kind of advertising you can get positive word of mouth because it's from people they they know as opposed to and I was in advertising for a long time and it's um, it's more comforting when you know the person who has had the experience or you know bought the same product if you will because because you are a product that 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 people buy and that's I, I think is the best type of uh, of marketing there is well, it's really funny because um, a fa- two families that I'm currently teaching little ones for, they called me a commodity. Yeah. It was really funny. I was like, okay, put me on a shelf. I'll probably collapse the shelf, but that's okay. <laughs> um, and she says, no. She said, 
You are a commodity where you can make kids relax and not be scared that you're going to go through the door. And that has been our greatest fear is that the kids are going to be scared because they don't know what to expect. Mm. I went, well, if that isn't the greatest compliment that you can ever get is that when you walk in, people go, you're here. Yay. Instead of a they, it's back. (laughs) (laughs) Robin, that has been, that has been you your whole life. As long as I've known you. You were always the person bringing people together. You were running the yearbook. That's how you got me onto the yearbook staff and doing stuff like that long time ago. And, and what you talked about, about the business model, I highly encourage the model you're running. And we're, uh, we're seeing that more and more. People are, it's, it's kind of like the old West, you know, they put it on the movies. I don't think it was exactly that way. In the old West, the doctor who would go and take care of people, they would share their expertise and they might get a chicken. They might not get any pay pay me when you can, those kinds of things, that kind of attitude. I think it's coming back. We went to this industrial revolution, walls, join the company, wear the straight coat, um, you know, wear the straight jacket, straight jacket, suit and tie and all that stuff. And now people are deciding, nah, it's not working for me. I have different passions and I'm going to find a way to make it work. And never has it been easier to do that. We just, yesterday we talked to two girl, two young ladies, 23, 25. Yeah. Um, Mary and Leah Woods, and they are just going viral now because they played a game on TikTok called, uh, what was it? Um, he's a 10 butt. He's a 10 butt, and it's going viral now. And these guys are, and they've got friends helping them out with they their have website, no what they're doing. Uh, getting then- things done. People... People are trying, it's a war between people that want to create problems and the people that want to make heal the world. Just to hear the way you're doing things, it's, it's all that healing that's going on. And that's very, very important. And a business plan in Venmo really helped because you got to have cash. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's all right. There. Even God uh, has so, cash. You know what? I'm sure. So maybe someday um, we'll do a part two and it yeah, will be- absolutely. Now that I already have my referrals and all that, now let's let's formalize it. And and I believe no, do, that's do a, a podcast. Jeffrey, it's a very important point that you're making is that it does have to be formalized and you do have to have control over it. It can't be running itself. I have to run it. God's not going to run it for me. He goes, Robin, I'm bringing you the your students, uh, but you need to take care of this. Right. But before I made that investment to see whether or not this is even going to fly. And if there is a need, and that's what I'm finding, that I am filling a niche, but it's not just a niche of another job or another offering. It's something to make f- people feel good and to, you know, it, it completes them. It completes yes. them. They're, they're, you know, you don't know how spiritual people are until you realize that there's something missing. And when people realize that the spirituality that there is, not everybody is agnostic, even though they say they are, there is something in there. And if you have the ability to have them raise their level of consciousness to say, there is a reason why the sun rises and the sun sets and the flowers come when they do and they bloom on the certain season. If you can accept that, at all, then there's a little bit of spirituality in you. And if you can tap on that, you've got a wonderful basis for conversation and then relationships develop. And I've been working with one family now for 10 years. And all they do is before the kids sit down, they want to sit and talk. They want to sit and talk. 
Yeah. You know what? That's another part of my business. I was going to say that's, you know, I when when I was going through my bat mitzvah and I was confirmed after that. And there were times that, you know, Rabbi Reuben, I went to school with his uh, with uh, Jackie, his his uh, kid. And he was like a second dad. Could you just feel feel safe with somebody who is a spiritual advisor? You know, you can you can trust. Well, and, and, and they have an opportunity to talk to somebody who's not going to talk to anybody else. Right. But without an opinion okay because i'm not big on opinions Mm -hmm. um and you can tell that i'm a factual kind of person i will relate it to what it says in the torah or in the midrash or you know one of the commentaries this is what it says and a lot of times i'll say that's a really good point i'm gonna look it up i'll get back to you next week same time same station batman and we do this and it's and it's cute, but what am I doing? I, there's my business plan, Jeffrey. There's my business plan. I, I've created a congregation outside of walls. I'm here for people. I don't want to hear the tsarist, though. You know, I, I'm not a. I tell them I have a PhD, but it's not in psychology. Don't even go there. All right. I can't fix your marriage, but I can refer you to somebody. Right. All right. If it has of a spiritual nature, and somebody just has a question. Or or they're lost. I'm a resource. I'm a, I'm a walking, talking Rolodex. And I'm putting you in my phone. As long as I don't go in the back door of a bathroom, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. They're going to so, make a, they make a series out of you. Call Robin. That's right. Call Saul. Who is that? Call, call Saul? Is that call Robin. Breaking Bad? Call, Rob- call Rivenstein. Very good. I'd rather call Rubenstein. There you go. <laughs> now, nobody knows Rubenstein. They think of Michael. It, I go, oh. all of my titles are just Robin, whether I'm Dr. Robin, better call Mora Robin. Robin, which means Robin the teacher, right? or Rabbi Robin. I, I don't use my last name. Yeah. Getting real with Robin. Getting real with, with Robin. With, with Rabbi Robin. Oh, getting real with Rabbi, Rabbi Robin. Robin. Oh my God, an alliteration. You know, my, you know, I, I signed my name on the bottom of things as R cubed. I'm Rabbi that. Robin Rubenstein. I'm yeah. R cubed. So, uh, it's brilliant. brilliant. Getting real with Rabbi Robin Rubenstein. Say that 10 times fast. Right. You crazy Just go Rabbi rabbit. Robin with it. Yeah, you crazy rabbit. Okay. Yeah, any final questions for Robin? Um, I, I, this has been, been great. This has this been great. Is, I, I, you know, I, I was mostly a bystander because you guys have known each other for so long. It was just fun listening to the back and 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 forth. No, I think I think we're we're good. I I I certainly appreciate what you do for the the Jewish religion as well as the the human side of things. So it was a fascinating take on how a rabbi who is not associated with a particular synagogue makes a living and 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 helps people so i i definitely appreciate that excellent yeah and i do it without angst yeah it makes me happy because which, i don't which deal also with drama. makes you a uh, a mutant jew so there <laughs> <laughs> so wait it was really fun you guys it there's was no great. drama what's it's wrong with her? <laughs> thank you robin thank, thank you, you so much and we will do this live with you this thing this whole setup is mobile so we can do it live we can also stream it we haven't crossed that one yet yeah we're uh, still working we on will play thing. again and i, I hopefully i will it. i will meet you in in person so let's do that seriously yeah. that yeah. that'll be fun okay all right my friends much it love was wonderful thank you so much be well take bye. care bye guys You've been listening to the Biz Souls podcast with your hosts, Rona Lewis and Jeffrey Hansler. Did you have fun? Subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Talk to you next week.